0: Jeff Simon. Good evening everyone. And welcome to Social Flight Live. I'm Jeff Simon. We have such a wonderful show for you this evening. Mark Scheuer is here from PS Engineering. And we're gonna talk all about the history of that company, Mark's background and about aviation audio and uh, all the things that benefit us in general aviation before we get started i just want to say a couple things first of all uh that uh, we just concluded one of our prize challenges in the fly to win challenge and andrew o'brien has won a custom set of flying eyes eyewear he's choosing that having them all customize it for him so very very excited about that and we have now kicked off our next prize period, which is truly exciting because we are giving away an Aspen E5 electronic flight instrument. We're talking about a $6,000 value. And all you need to do in order to be entered to win into this is simply get the free social flight mobile app, get an account, get out there and fly. All you need to do is check in at any airport at least once during the prize period, and you will be entered into win that Aspen E-5 electronic flight instrument. And I'm, I'm just so excited to find the winner for this. And uh, so uh, all the information's on social flight about it. Obviously, uh, to qualify, you do need an aircraft that you can put it in, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and, uh, and I'm really, really looking forward to that as well. So, with that, I'd like to talk a little bit about my very good friend, Mark Scheuer. Mark founded PS Engineering in 1985 with the goal of revolutionizing aircraft audio systems, and he's accomplished that. (laughs) He's made that goal several times over, in my opinion. Over the past 37 years, PS Engineering has grown to become the undisputed leader in the field of aircraft intercom and audio technology and um, we all have mark to thank for introducing technologies into general aviation aircraft that we all take for granted in so many other parts of our world. And it, this includes things like a voice activated transmission technology, not having to adjust the uh, squelch on our intercoms, uh, stereo sound in, in our general aviation planes, uh, uh, integrated audio alerting, dimensional sound, so many, so many more things that we'll talk about this evening. And I can tell you that during my years of developing avionics systems with many large companies out there, every time, that we needed an audio solution. I just picked up the phone and I called Mark. And so with that, I would like to bring Mark on the line to join us and please help me to welcome this Social Flight Live, Mark Shoyer. How are you doing, Mark?
1: Doing great. And thank you for that amazing, humbling introduction. And uh, I am honored to be here. You've had so many wonderful uh, talent and aviators that. Um, In fact, I think you've asked me twice before, and I said no, because I just didn't think I would uh, match up with your other um, participants. But I want to turn the tables on you, if you don't mind. So back in 2012, I signed up for Social Flight, and I've been using it for that many years. Can you show our uh, participants what it looks like? (laughs)
0: <laughs> you want to to turn the tables on me again this is this sounds eerily familiar to last week on me but uh but yeah i mean last week we had a problem sure i'll 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 share let me open it right here because i do get this question and it's very very gracious of you to to talk about this for a minute um <laughs> let me show this I, I, you're right i don't think enough people have actually ever seen it and so i'm gonna i'm gonna just show people really quickly what this is so for any of you who have uh, come to our show but have not actually used social flight just go to socialflight.com or get the mobile app this this is it and what you see here every gold circle on this map is something happening in general aviation and this isn't even on our online events this is our in-person go fly and do something and um, it's just it's just fun you can just zoom into any area that's here uh, I know you know it uh, obviously out there, you find something, you click on it, I mean I just randomly clicked on this, food truck, big baby bites and discounted hundred, now look at that, who, what, <laughs> what, what, who doesn't need discounted hundred low-leaded fuel right now and a food truck after you fuel up, Like so in a nutshell, that's. I don't want to take up much time, that's, that's social flight, uh, there's a little button on the map you can push, and it'll turn the whole thing into burgers, <laughs> and you can find out where you can uh, go and and find your nearest airport, you know, $100 hamburger, uh, so cool stuff like that, and then there's a whole menu of other things in the top of this. Uh, We have rewards, which are like deals from partners, Uh, Aspen's running a trade-in promotion, a trade-up trade-in promotion. Uh, We have our fly to win challenge uh, uh, where you can see now, again, this is our prize drawing. You can see the past winners and uh, kind of who's won and all the different prizes that we've given away. Um, And you can even uh, look at the leaderboard. and, and see where you stand (laughs) although being at the top of the leaderboard doesn't really matter that much they they get an extra entry but everybody's entered in a win and then the last thing i'll show is our faa system which is so cool because these are all uh wings and amt and ia renewal courses and all you have to do is you watch these you take a quiz and and you get to uh, to compete and you get credit with the FAA's wings and or AMT or, or IA. So I wanna stop showing that. Uh, thank you, that's very kind of you to take time to do that. But uh, I wanna talk PS Engineering.
1: One more thing. So before this show, um, my EA Chapter 17, uh, we're all made aware of this and that just broadens the participation. So I challenge everyone who's watching us tonight to ask one or two friends to join us or to join you next week for uh, Social Flight Live.
0: Uh, that's very kind of you. Yeah, you know, it's funny, when I when I talk to people around, I find two types of people when it comes to social flight uh, experience. I find ones that come up that just uh, have so much fun with it, makes them fly more, uh, many of them win things. <laughs> I love to give away stuff. Um, and then I find people have just never heard of it. And so if we could just challenge everybody, get the word out, just tell someone it exists, it's all free. I think we all win. So thank you for saying that. Very, very kind. And now please let's get- One more thing.
1: One more thing. You and I have a passion for P-51s. I've been fortunate to fly a couple of times in those airplanes. I don't know if you can see this, but this is one of my prized possessions. Thank you for making this available to your viewers. It sits on my desk every day. (laughs)
0: That's a a little T51 commemorative thing. Absolutely. All right, Mark, now (laughs) I'm I'm not gonna let you get out of this. I know you've been, you're you're trying to delay. Tell us your story. How did you found PS Engineering and have such an impact on all our lives in the GA cockpit? Well,
1: I'm not sure about that much impact on the GA cockpit, however, The story dates back when I was nine years old and I was in my grandpa's basement and my second cousin, Kirk, he showed me what happened when you wrapped a wire around a nail and applied a battery. He picked up a piece of metal and it just blew my mind as a nine-year-old. And that's when I, I, I just got hooked, so to speak, on electronics. So the next natural thing for me to do was to find a hobby and that was ham radio. And in 1972, I became WN9JMQ and it was only through the support of the other ham radio operators. Um, They really helped me to build, like I built a 10 watt single tube transmitter. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do that all on my own at 11 or 12 years old um, and of course that led to other projects and more electronics and so electronics was the beginning of all of the um, experimentation and, and then I just went off the deep end <laughs> and instead of doing my homework in high school I did get pretty involved in designing electronics. Uh, Not very complicated, but the piece of electronics that I'm most proud of was a biofeedback um, amplifier, which with the help of a friend, I designed and hooked it up to a TV. And the more you got into alpha waves, the slower the TV um, picture became. And if you were in a total alpha state, It would stop well i was never able to get into a total alpha state so so i guess the problem there was i wasn't getting straight a's or b's or even c's in high school i was so distracted by electronics um i came to realize if i wanted to go on to you know college i'd have to buckle down so i put electronics aside a little bit my senior year studied went on the swim team letter got a's and to make a long story short um i always wanted to work for a company called hewlett-packard and i uh-huh. thought getting a BSWE would be i mean that's a, that was a total requirement so yeah. i went to university of wisconsin-madison and uh once again another waypoint i was able to get a uh, graduate design engineering position as an undergraduate. In fact, I was a freshman. And for four and a half years, I worked at Space Science and Engineering Center, working on Tyros N, it's a uh, polar orbiting satellite. Um, what a great opportunity for me to work with engineers that really knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, so I did graduate and two, for two summers prior to my graduation, I had summer internships at Hewlett Packard. And when I graduated, of course, I interviewed with other companies, and I had several offers. And, of course, HP was the lowest offer by far, and I grabbed (laughs) it. I grabbed it, and there's so much I learned in the 12 years I was working at HP that I contribute the success of PS Engineering to Bill and Dave.
0: Wow. That is that is. That's very cool. What what made you decide to go and then uh, start your branch off uh, and start your own company, or or did you do that concurrently?
1: Okay, so I'll I'll go back. So in college, I didn't have any money. I I actually put myself through college through working at space science and engineering, but I had a really good friend in engineering, and he happened to be a CFI, and I made an arrangement with him. I would take him out to dinner and maybe. A, a beer or two on, on Saturday nights. And Sunday mornings, he would teach me how to fly for free. And we did that during my junior and my uh, freshman year of his, or my first semester in senior. And I would not have been able to get my pilot's license at the age I did if it wasn't for my dear friend, Joe.
0: Isn't that great like that 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 seems to be a common story in in general aviation that uh, uh, you know I didn't come from an aviation background so many of us are able to do it because other pilots take an interest in us become mentors or enablers in a good way and w- w- so many of us are here just because of that isn't that wonderful
1: It is. it is it's the best community um it And one more thing, I've got to give my Uncle Bill the credit for the spark for aviation. So when I was, I think, 14 years old, he invited my dad and my mom and myself to fly in his Bonanza. So I'm from Manitowoc, Wisconsin. My wife is from Oshkosh. Uncle Bill is from Two Rivers. So we all met him at the Manitowoc County Airport, and we went flying. And Uncle Bill, he gave me the co-pilot seat. And Uncle Bill says, I wonder what this does. He pointed to this round knob, and he pulled it out, and all of a sudden, the engine became quieter and quieter until it was just, and I thought that was the coolest thing. In the back, my mom's going, what's going on? What's going on? That was the waypoint for my um, passion for aviation. I thought that was just the coolest thing that he could put the power back on, and we were flying. So thank you to Uncle Bill.
0: All right, so tell me about the spark that started PS Engineering.
1: Okay, so after my first year at Hewlett Packard, I saved $5,000. And I bought an airplane over the phone, sight unseen, no pre-buy, nothing. That's
0: exactly how we tell everybody to do it, right?
1: Right, I took a one-way flight on Northwest Airlines to Memphis. And I was in Minneapolis at the time. And the gentleman was being, um, he's in the service and he was being stationed offshore. So we just did, it was the same airplane I learned in, a Grumman AA-1A. And we did once around the patch, I gave him $5,000 and I flew it home. And that's what you do when you were young and foolish. But (laughs) I had that airplane for 18 years. And because of its design, thanks to Jim Beatty, It was glued, so it was fast. There weren't any rivets. It was all torsion bars. There weren't cables. So there was very little to go wrong. And that airplane for 18 years was flawless. Wow. So I got a hangar at Lake Elmo uh, Airport uh, near St. Paul. And I would hang out, and I'd watch all these airplanes taking off. And none of the pilots were wearing headsets. And I'm going, well, that's pretty loud in those things is my airplane, it's really deafening. And when I would take my wife Joni, who by the way is our voice for all of our audio enunciations, um, we'd have to yell at each other more than we did at home. So that's what made me think, Hey, we need to have a really good intercom for my airplane. So being a sales rep for test and measurement with HP, I knew all the engineers in the the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And Eric Person was the engineer I asked to help design our first intercom. And thus PS Engineering, P for Person, S for Scheuer. And we wanted to keep it generic because we weren't sure if we were gonna be successful in the aviation business, but we knew we wanted to design and manufacture electronics. So, that's what sparked it was wanting an intercom so I could protect my hearing. And fortunately, over the years, it's worked because my hearing is really, really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to imagine. There's so many things that are different these days than back then, right? I mean, uh, a lot of people, as you mentioned, I, I remember the first, well, I, I'm a huge Grumman fan. I remember when I got my Grumman, of course, there's this big microphone. I'm like, what the heck is this thing for? Like, when's the last time someone used one of these? And uh, and, and people, a lot of people didn't wear headsets. I mean, we had, there's ashtrays. I mean, it's just That's a different world when you look back on when these planes were made. Um, so, so, so you decided that you were going to start doing something about audio and you had, and you found a PS Engineering. This is, were you, were you going to venture portable first or did you go straight into the idea of a certified intercom?
1: No, we started with the Aerocomp which is still a registered, registered trademark, Aerocom. And we it was an industry first because this portable intercom had all the controls in the front and all the plugs and jacks in the back. So it, we were rated golden in the spaghetti factor in Aviation Consumers article 1986. I was so pumped. <laughs> golden in the spaghetti factor. And um, in fact, the person who wrote it, is gary pacu who's our vp of technical services and he's with us Uh, i think he's celebrating 25 years with us Uh, (laughs) so uh, that was our our first product it was really successful i was in the basement and all the while i was working full-time for hewlett-packard so i had eight hours or so at hp and then five six hours for ps engineering every single day and um during my lunch hour i'd load the trunk of the boxes to be brought to ups <laughs> so it was it was just like multitasking to the nth degree but i made it and uh so the portable was the very first and then you know this a company called Satronics they mm-hmm. were the father frank sagona started his business in 1975 but his intercom wasn't certified it did not have tso c50c So, PS Engineering in 1990 was, to the best of my knowledge, was the first company to certify an intercom. Wow! And that really changed things. That required us to have a quality manual, processes and procedures. So um, it really forced us to be much more organized on how we manufactured things.
0: Did you have anyone that helped you with that process? Uh, And and I mean, how did you experience it? Because I think. You know, a lot of people wonder why uh, aviation especially general aviation products are so expensive the certified ones and the answer that they usually get is a the certified certification process and b volumes you know that, that we just don't have the, the volumes that a uh, commercial market has and i think a lot of people don't necessarily understand uh how much work is involved not just in certifying but then that just gives you the a, a design. You then need the whole side of parts manufacturing approval and having a factory. That's that's something that I think keeps, a, a, it's a huge burden. How did you cope with that?
1: Well, actually, um, I had enough energy that I, the very first TSOA on the PM1000, I did. Um, and then Randy Beavers, uh, he actually is a, a longer full-time employee than me. Uh, he's been with us now for 30, I think 35 years. And so uh, with his help, I just went through all the steps, wrote up a QA manual, submitted the test data. And I was very lucky because there's a, there was a company called Philips Consumer Electronics in Knoxville. And they had a complete testing facility. Everything that you need just to do the do 160 tests.
0: Yeah, so, which is like, you mean like, like and lightning and all these different things they make you test.
1: Yes, so that was also very, very helpful. But as the products became more complicated, uh, I did need help and that's where Gary came on board. And I still say to this day, he made our intercom company, our intercom maker to an avionics manufacturer. Uh, he's, he has been in both hopefully continue to be uh, key to future certification of new products that we'll be introducing.
0: That's fascinating. Do you, yeah. do you find, I mean, it, it's, it's rare that I have the opportunity to speak to someone who has such a breadth of knowledge of, of that certification and manufacturing, and especially over such a wide period. Do you, how do you think things have changed during that time? Have they become when you, par, Harder to go through the FAA and to deal with you know, both the manufacturing and the certification, the ACO and the, and the MIDO, or easier? I mean, what how do you view it?
1: Okay. So just like aviation, we have relationships with fellow pilots. Um when you create a quality manual, you're working with your inspector at the ACO. And if you give them a really good product, a quality manual that they can approve um it's easier we are in business because the fa says we can be and we know that every single day we do everything we said we would do and all the procedures and processes that we've implemented we make sure that we stick with them because i never want to stumble and have an fa inspection or an audit And they go well hey you guys you you, you have not been doing this and uh, that's never happened and I don't intend to ever happen again. Has it been more difficult over the years? Absolutely. Um, the, For example, we are writing software to level C. The, um, the requirements are so deep that we had to invest many many thousands and thousands of dollars on a piece of software to help our engineers make certain that the software that they write is the following the life cycle that the faa wants us to follow so we made i mean thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in investment just to make sure that the software that we write is following the life cycle
0: right and when so you think it, about it right that's software inside of an audio panel and um so people don't even think probably of your products uh, in in when they pick one up or they use one in an airplane in terms of software and yet and yet that's the case yeah there's there's a remarkable amount to to stay staying with that process
1: just think about the autopilot folks they're writing <laughs> level a unbelievable
0: yeah well it's it's funny because I mean Of of course, we've heard lots of people hold up a consumer product and say, this costs this, and why can't we do this in an airplane? And the FAs recently made a lot of strides in starting to allow things to come in under different categories and in a different way, but that's only recent. And the companies that have made it like yours through the years to get to where they are now didn't have the benefit of people relaxing standards or being able to view things in a different way. So my hat's off to you with that.
1: Well, thanks. So yeah, there's a lot of advantages of being first and that's one of the things that I take great pride of our company. And by the way, I kind of wish we were doing this during the day so that you could see all the folks that are in our machine room and our manufacturing floor, because I, I've been so blessed to have created an amazing team. Um, Mm -hmm. So what i was getting at is we are making sure where was i going with this i forgot
0: um, <laughs> we were talking don't about worry certain- about don't worry about that um, yeah i mean you know the bottom line is when i look back when I think about your company, when I think about PS Engineering and audio panels, I think back about the, the when I first was learning to fly and then also the first plane I got, which was a, a Grumman Traveler, and th- we're talking early 90s to mid 90s. And at that point in time, the enormous distinction was getting into an airplane that just had a series of switches that you would kind of set at different positions for what you were doing. And and maybe an maybe an intercom in there, um, versus this amazing device that that I had in, in my Grumman, which was a PS Engineering six thousand M, which Absolutely. all of a sudden had all of this in one place, and 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 instead of lever, moving levers and little switches up and down, you could just select. So it just made sense. It was just logical. Um, tell me how you got to this new generation, at least the way I think about it when I'm thinking new generation.
1: I know where I was going. Uh, <laughs> one of the benefits is that we always strive to introduce something to be first. And the vast majority of the inventions and in audio controllers, like I'm very proud to say, has come from PS Engineering. And the 6,000 that you purchased, that was designed and manufactured in 1995 and to the best of my knowledge, was the first audio panel, intercom, and marker all in one box. And the biggest challenge we had with that was not the audio, not the speaker app, but the marker beacon receiver. The marker beacon receiver has requirements that are, are almost impossible to meet, but we did. Uh, it took us a year and a half, and we didn't have it right or perfect the first time. And we were standard in almost every airframe, Cicada, Piper, Cessna, you name it. We were standard equipment before uh, another company came on board. We had a problem with a marker at Piper Aircraft. We got a call Friday afternoon, and they were going to be shipping this to Germany, and they needed a fix. We worked that whole weekend, figure out what the problem, and they received their unit on Tuesday. And they said, thank you very much, and that was it. About six months later, the manager of the avionics group called me up out of the blue and he goes, Mark, you really don't know how good a company is until there's a problem. And you guys really uh, hit the ball of the park. So um, yeah, the 6,000 was definitely a, what I call our first revolution. The second revolution was this knob for like you spoke about at the beginning of the show, the Vox control. So we invented the first, um automatic box circuit that didn't have any knobs or buttons or anything it just worked and charles johnson was the design engineer and he used a vacuum cleaner for the background noise and you know what jeff since 1997 when we patented that we have not changed one resistor not one line of code it is exactly like it was in
0: 1997. so yeah that's amazing. Uh, explain to people, because it's really easy, especially with the amount of knowledge that you have to just throw out terms like Vox. But I mean, I remember, of course, when you were just turning squelch knobs. I mean, Tell people what this is.
1: Well, Vox is a very antiquated um, acronym, Voice Operated Relay. I think it came from the military days. And so basically you want to take advantage of the noise canceling of the headset. And you don't want the microphone picking up background noise when you're not speaking. So there's a there's a trip level, and the microphone um, audio has to be greater than the background noise for it to open. And with manual box circuits, when you're taking off, you gotta crank that baby tight so it doesn't open up. But when you're cruise, you gotta adjust it. And you're like yours and my Grumman, if we opened up the sliding catapulte, you'd have to tighten the box with with um, IntelliVox. It's completely automatic and it works flawlessly. So that was the second one of our revolutions that we had.
0: Wow. Now, I mentioned another thing uh, uh, early in my kind of my list. And I remember as soon as I had that uh, 6,000 from PS Engineering before I, I ever knew you, it wasn't long before all of a sudden it was the 6,000 MS. Right. And I was like, stereo? Wait a minute. Hold on um it's funny because we don't think in the regular world like stereo should be something that's that's like revolutionary but it most aircraft probably even today a lot of aircraft are still not wired for stereo and yet it's it's a big difference
1: jeff back at oshkosh 1992 we had our pm1000 mono intercom and a couple of pilots came up why don't you have stereo and my aunt my Totally incorrect answer was, you don't need stereo for gosh sakes, you're flying in an airplane. Well, in 1993, we introduced the PM 2000 and stereo was extremely well received. So I learned a valuable uh, lesson, listen to the customers. And if they say they want this, even though you may not think it's necessary, you try to implement what the pilots want. And that's that's something else that we're pretty famous for. We get so much positive feedback on user forums uh, owner group forums that uh, a lot of these ideas aren't always original
0: yeah with violence that makes sense uh, now was it audio back then was it was it music Would that they was that the main driver from the very beginning so even back then when people were bringing in their like you know so little uh, little sony uh <laughs> Walk, walkman or something like that in there and they wanted because i remember that was always that was always another PSNJ thing. There's a jack to put to put in your audio.
1: That's it, they were cassette players, little Yeah, yeah I think one of cassette players. And you know, we took it to many levels. Um, we worked with Delco Electronics and got the chipset for Sirius satellite radio. So our 8000 SR literally had a satellite receiver in it, and we had certified a satellite um, antenna to be mounted on an aircraft. And we had a remote control and you could listen to any um Siri satellite uh channel. Uh we were in in-flight entertainment for a while where we had a DVD, CD, Siri satellite radio all in one little box. Um
0: and I bluetooth, think I remember the CD player, you know, that the...
1: Yeah, yeah. But bluetooth blew all that on the water. So Um, In 2006, we were the first to bring Bluetooth to the marketplace. And that really killed in-flight entertainment because now you could have, they didn't have iPhones in 2006, but they had iPods, I think they called them, (laughs) those things. And then of course, in 2010, the iPhone uh, hit the streets, I think that's right. And it's amazing to have your phone connected to your audio panel, and having the phone number for the air traffic control for the uncontrolled airfield you're departing. Uh, I've mm-hmm. several times I've used it as a, my third radio, and they ask you, is there anybody in front of you? Nope. You're clear for takeoff. They don't give you a hold time. All right, Yeah. I, they, they release you because you say, yeah, there's nobody in front of me. So it's a huge tool to have your phone integrated in your audio panel. And then of course.
0: It, it's so cool. Sure. You know, one of the other things that I've always loved about that and, and using your panels is that there's a lot of flexibility that you build in in terms of like, well, I, I want to be isolated. The pilot wants to like listen to music. The people want to listen to different music in the back than in the front. It, it, it can be kind of mind boggling how many different like setups and orientations there are. How how have you approached Kind of the human factor side of this. Engineers, I will say, engineers in general are notoriously poor at this, and they 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 build products where they just put tons and tons of stuff in, and then you need it. You need the same degree as the guy who designed it to figure it out. How do you make it easy?
1: Well, that is an amazingly great question. In fact, there was a thread on a particular forum group that we had removed capability from our audio panel because i thought it was just too complicated and we were getting customers calling how does this work so we removed it and um, i i just got a a call a couple weeks ago saying "Well, why did you remove it and i explained to them that it was just too complicated so we first started to use audio enunciations to get to the secondary functions so for example um we had a ICS button, intercom system, ICS button, and it would have several different types of intercom modes. So if you would press and hold the ICS button, you could choose either standard intercom, Joni would say standard intercom, or you press and hold it, and then she would say alternate intercom function, and it would work differently. And we had different types of music distribution. Um, Below the push button, it would say, D I S T for distribution, you press and hold it and it gives you music distribution. I
0: I still have that. I talk to her all the time. Your, your, your wife and I speak more than you do because she's always like music (laughs) one, all headsets.
1: (laughs) She's got the greatest voice. Uh, Absolutely. So that was the only way we knew how to get secondary functions and not make it overly complicated. But then, um, all right. In 2012, I was at the, one of the last AOPA summits and a gentleman in a suit and coat came to my booth and handed me his card and he said, how would you like to license some technology from the Air Force? I'm going, yeah, sure, of course. I put it in my pocket. I really didn't think twice about it. And when I came back to the office, I pulled out the card. I went to his website and he was a patent attorney and he was under contract with the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And he indeed had patents that he was trying to locate small businesses to take advantage of, you know, all the government spend dollars. So we reached a CRADA agreement with the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. That's That's a cooperative research agreement where their brains came and met with our brains, including Peter Campbell, our VP of engineering and spent a couple of days. And of course there were emails back and forth and we used for the first time a digital signal processor a computer on a chip so it would calculate phasing so that you could distribute com radios in unique positions in a stereo headset and that was kind of foreign to me in 2012 but in 2014 when we introduced the pma 450 the original um, Pilots really got it. And if you don't mind, I'd just like to explain what it what it does.
0: Yeah, please, especially in layman's terms for me.
1: <laughs> we'll do it. So you can place COM 1, for example, in the 10 o'clock position and COM2, let's say at the two o'clock position. And if you're going into an uncontrolled airfield, you need to have the weather because when you do talk to air traffic control, you've got to tell them what approach you're going to be using. But air traffic control is talking to all sorts of other airplanes, which makes it virtually impossible to hear a complete uh, weather uh, cast on COM2. So with uh, Intello audio, which is true dimensional sound, you can pay attention to the weather and ignore air traffic control. But the moment you hear your tail number, I promise you, he will drop the weather and you're gonna pay attention to air traffic control because he just called your, your call sign and your brain is very powerful i don't think pilots should not use it so <laughs> it's a terrible thing to waste so multi-talker or intel audio that they're they're very similar it gives that pilot the ability not to miss any air traffic control calls while still being able to hear uh, weather so that they're more efficient with their radio communications
0: so that's i mean that's really fascinating and i know you we, we, th- we can think of it for general aviation, usually we're thinking of it in terms of two radios, like we're listening to Unicom at the same time as air traffic control for an airport we're approaching, or we wanna to listen to uh, uh, the AWOS or something like that that's coming up. But you also do a whole lot of work where special missions, where people are listening to a lot more than just two radios. Tell me a little bit about that. Well,
1: I wish Greg Ledbetter was here. <laughs> Uh, he's been with the company since he was 20 years old and, um, he's our special mission specialist. And we developed in 2017, the PAC 45 series and the PAC 45 can accept up to eight radios so that you can place them into nine unique positions. So you, each radio will have a position and when I went to my first HAI in 2017, demonstrating the Back 45. Here comes a pilot in a flight suit, beard, uh, m- handles a of mustache. I mean, he was very, very serious and he was just going to walk right past me, but I wasn't going to have that because I could tell he was a special mission pilot. So I said, Come on over, I want to show you something. And I asked him, Do you hear multiple radios simultaneously? And he goes, Yeah, I do it all the time. And I said, Isn't that hard? He goes, No, that's what I do, it's easy. So I put a stereo headset on this pilot and I played six radios simultaneously with multi-talker off. And I stopped and I said, could you understand all that? He goes, yeah, I could hear all that. Then I put the headset back on, I turned multi-talker on. And this really kind of tough and gruff pilot became just putty in my hands. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. And it, it, I'm positive he's flying behind a Pac-45 today somewhere in some helicopter or fixed wing. it's a major game changer for those guys
0: yeah because they're listening to how many radios at the same time so maybe say a police helicopter search and rescue military things like that yeah up to eight eight up to eight radios at one time that they've got that would make my head explode
1: and you have up to four control heads so you might have a pilot co-pilot observer one observer two they all have access to any radios that they want and there's uh, just so much um, uh, levels of uh, hierarchy, who can do what. It all makes sense once it's installed. And we've gotten phenomenal um, high reps.
0: Wow. So um, there's, well, first of all, I, I remember you you came out with a radio for the experimental world with a radio slash intercom. Uh, um, I you're amazing. And you're, tell me about this, because I, I saw some integration between you and Apario also on this.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah, that's another first we did. Uh, that was called the Par 100EX. EX was for experimental. And we took an audio panel and made it the control head for a micro-air remote-mounted transceiver. And it went over really, really well. Um but the quality of the radio and the quality of a PAR-100EX really wasn't to my liking. So then we developed the PAR-200. And we partnered with Trig. And let me tell you, Trig knows how to design radios. Being a ham operator since I was 13 years old, I know what a, a good radio sounds like. And I know what a good transmission sounds like. And the Trig TY-91L that we use is a phenomenal radio. And the PAR 200 has gone through th- three revisions, and now it's the PAR 200B, and it also has IntelliAudio audio built in. Um, it has some really easy functionality that you don't even have to think about, like easily recalling frequencies by just hitting recall and dialing the frequency you want to call up. Um, so yeah, that was. I think we're still the only ones. Have an audio panel that controls your remote-mounted transceiver. So it saves time for installation, it saves space in the panel, and it saves money.
0: Right. And it has a so uh, explain that integration because uh people, of course, think of Apario uh in terms of you know uh, of, of all of course the core products that that uh that they do with Stratus and things like that, but they have an app also, and that integrates with your intercom slash radio over bluetooth
1: actually it's not the par 200b that's the 450b okay and it does integrate with aperio's uh app so we have two bluetooth mechanisms in the 450b the second we call bt 2 can either be a normal uh streamer so that you can stream in music or it can broadcast and the person who sets up the 450B can decide if you wanna just send out radio or everything the pilot hears. So they are using, the Perio is using their 450B and they're streaming just the radio to their app and it decodes it on their iPad. So it's, yeah, it's I mean, a place to text.
0: That's, that's the thing I kinda of, I, I wanna get here, get to, sure. which is so wild. The first time I saw this concept, I kept thinking, oh my God, this is what's coming next. The idea that you could see in text what has been said and to you and only for your end number, like directly for you, that is a game changer for me. I find it amazing.
1: They're amazing. Um, We had nothing to do with the software at all. We had the very easy part and that's the (laughs) transmit to the iPad, that's all we did. But their software is amazing. So, I, like,
0: if I'm sorry, no, go ahead.
1: If, if the air traffic controller says uh, one two thousand, it'll show on the uh, iPad one two zero zero zero.
0: <laughs> it's it it's it's amazing, you know, because it seems to me, uh, especially having come up through the avionics manufacturers and in that whole world, that um, we focus so much in technology on. Ah, uh, navigation systems and primary flight displays and glass in the cockpit. But this system that we work on in general aviation that is analog radio, everyone talking on the same frequency, everyone trying to take turns, distortion, warbling when people talk at the same time, um, all these things, which there are advances for commercial but it really seems like this whole world is very, very neglected and poised for, for change.
1: Well, I, I agree. And um, yeah, so I, I, you're right on, and the commercial airlines have that. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised in the future that that kind of capability of having the text from the radio, air traffic control, being displayed in front of you i wouldn't doubt that at all
0: (laughs) that's mark code for let's not talk about future
1: products (laughs) (laughs) well we are doing i will say we are doing some really amazing stuff right now Um, unfortunately it's been delayed a little bit because of all the disruption of parts and again Mm. i wish my team was here um when a part has been pushed out a year We have no choice but to design that part out, spin the board, change the procedures, send the FAA data package. Um, It has been such a distraction, but the good news is we still have products to ship and we will have products this year pretty much off the shelf. So if anybody needs an audio panel, don't worry about it not being available. We, We have it available, but it's come at a price. We've not been able to take our brilliant engineers and let them loose on this new product. We started over a year and a about a year and a half ago. Right. It's going to be our fifth revolution.
0: It's, it's amazing to me. I mean, let's talk about that for a minute as, as an avionics manufacturer, this whole concept of, of what's happened with COVID and what's happened with supply chain is having such a major effect. Uh, on the general aviation market, especially since it's smaller, more more vulnerable to these types of changes. And I will say when I was at Sun and Fun talking to a variety of manufacturers, the the clearest message I got echoed what you just said, which was they all said the biggest impact they were having was with their engineering teams, having to spend time re-engineering existing products to adapt to whatever supply chain issues there were, you know, respin an existing product to support a different chip because it was the only thing they could get, that they couldn't have them spending all their time on future products. And so it seems like we're all suffering and it's going to be for a while because innovation's being stifled by having to focus so much on survival during supply chain. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, and keep in mind, we have to get the parts from approved suppliers. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw that in. Um, no, that's exactly right. I think that's. I think that's affecting all industries, um, all avionics manufacturers, anybody who's designing electronics or manufacturing it. Um, it. It, it, there's almost every day, we get a notice. Hey, this part's going to be delayed, or. The good news is we were very um, blessed to have received uh, a contract with the United States Air Force. Our audio controller is part of the T1A upgrade program. So for those audio panels, we are do one a rated, which absolutely helped us a lot. So the Air Force, they're getting their audio panels because of that rating, but we can't use that rating for our non um, contract government contract uh, products. So yeah, it's it's been stressful, and uh, wow. but we're all pulling together. And that's again, I wish my wish my team was here so that you could see the folks that make it happen.
0: I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna show a picture of those folks that make it happen right now, so people can see that. Here's your team.
1: That's it. That's on our website. Thank, <laughs> you. thank you very much. That's I everybody appreciate-
0: that makes things happen to, at PS Engineering. Um, do you, based on having kind of been in the trenches with all of this, are you seeing the light at the end of the tunnel yet? Do you have any, uh, any insight as to, uh, a, a start crawling back to normalcy, or are we still at a point that you just, you just never know what's going to happen the next day?
1: We are still at the point. We just don't know what's going to happen the next day. Um, we are banking on, uh, most of our approved suppliers are the. Manufacturers like TI and so forth, and they pushed out dates. We're just counting on the manufacturers to keep the dates. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no control over it. So, mm-hmm. and I know I don't think it's going to get any better. It could get worse, to be quite frank. Really? Yeah, we'll know more at the beginning of 2023. Uh, that'll be a a key first quarter.
0: Wow, it's amazing that we are sitting here uh, only in the second quarter uh, of, uh, of 2022. And, and to hear you say that we won't really even know if we're turning the corner until the first quarter of 23.
1: Now that's, that's our viewpoint right now. We're good for 2022. So order your audio panels now. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we'll be able to uh, continue shipping in 2023.
0: Isn't that true? It's, it's, a, it's a good time to be a, a, a kind of a, a hoarder or proactive when it comes to your avionics or pretty much anything you need for uh, your aircraft i can tell you from the mechanical side and, and you know every other product from airframe and uh, to engine etc it's 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 certainly challenging and so the message i think to everyone out there is to as a consumer and as a pilot to protect yourself by looking ahead as much as you can to what you're going to need or what is likely to possibly have to happen and, and get it in the pipeline.
1: Yeah, that's right. So the only thing I think I want to say in closing, because I think we're getting close to the top of the hour is not only our team here at PS engineering, I'm so grateful for, but our dealers. So. When customers go to the avionics shop, they may or may not have any idea what they want. Um, our dealers will always make sure that they know that there's an alternative and I give them so much credit um, for them representing and selling our products.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't have any big marketing we we don't have any marketing. basically, we go to trade shows and We have one ad in AOPA. Now that's it, that's our whole marketing. We don't have spits or kickbacks or whatever. So everyone gets the same price. Every dealer gets the same price, no matter if you buy one or a hundred, it doesn't matter. And our dealers really appreciate that. So when a pilot goes to his avionics shop, um, unless they know exactly what they want and then they shouldn't try, I don't want our dealers ever to change someone's mind but I'm always grateful that a dealer tells them, hey, had you thought about a PS engineering audio panel? And our shops are very uh, knowledgeable about our product line. So I want to give a shout out to all of our people. Absolutely.
0: Um, now, I do want to bring up one other thing, of course, before we hit the top of the hour. You know, the, <laughs> I, I'm I'm a huge fan of the federated panel concept. I'm a huge fan of like individual products where you can choose the best of breed. And most of our partners, most of the folks that help keep the lights on here at Social Flight are all companies that make individual products so you can pick the best thing for the best function. Um, One of the things I like is that I have always thought of a lot of your auto panels as sliding replacements for upgrades um that's always been a, a big boom um i know uh Avedine, a huge partner social flight they have that option of being able to slide in because avionics shops are very backed up right now on their work and it it's it means it's a big deal if you can upgrade your panel without having to break into all the wiring in the back is that still the case with a lot of your products
1: yeah um virtually all of our products are slide ins so our 7000 bt is a slide-in for the old 7000 our eight thousand and four hundred and fifty and 450 are the slide-in for garmin's gma 340 and surprisingly enough we've been selling quite a few of our audio panels to the garmin gma 345
0: owner absolutely well that's great and and so let people know where to go for your website of course and and to find the latest product information
1: yeah just ps uh engineering ps-engineering and but call us, because I love talking to, you wouldn't believe how many people I've been able to speak to that have amazing stories. <laughs> just the other day, yesterday, a customer called, he has a Strike commander, he was telling me about all of his conversations and meetings with Bob Hoover and Chuck Yeager. It's just, that's why I love my job so much, is the pilots and talking about their airplanes and, and their avionics, of course.
0: Isn't that wonderful? I mean, I I absolutely love that about our world. Anytime that you're talking to someone, whether it's it's filling them in with information or even if you're in a business of sales, it's wonderful. You just get to hear about people's planes and their stories and their needs. Uh, It doesn't make for short conversations.
1: (laughs) No, I got plenty of time. I enjoy it very, very much
0: all right well thank you so so much for joining us this evening on social flight live mark it's wonderful i appreciate everything that you have done to support general aviation uh and and it really has uh, made a big difference to what we all experience every time we go to choose what radio we're going to talk on or what our flight experience is like when it comes to audio wow
1: thank you (laughs) and thank you for what you do go social
0: Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Good night, Mark. And so to all of you, thank you for taking time out of your evening to join us here for another episode of Social Flight Live. It really uh, is very, very special to me, and I appreciate it that you're all joining us here on this journey and helping us support general aviation all the way around. And as Mark said in the beginning, it would be wonderful if you help spread the word make sure that you tell pilots that socialflight.com exists. And of course, that we could find that next winner for our Aspen E5 electronic flight instrument for the Fly to Win Challenge. With that, we will be back next Tuesday, May 17th, with a really, (laughs) it's gonna be a fun show. On Tuesday, May 24th, we're back. And in this case, it's going to be with artist David Yule. Uh, If you have not seen David Ewell's paintings, they are absolutely breathtaking. They combine motorcycles and aircraft, and uh, it it is a sight to behold. And his process is really something wonderful. So that is a show I am personally really looking forward to. And then after that, Tuesday, May 31st, we are here with NASA astronaut and award-winning photographer, Jay Apt. Until next time, I wish you all blue skies.